0: And uh, I know y'all are excited about school being out. Hey, I wanted you to know that this weekend, uh, actually tomorrow, is Memorial Day. So you notice on our table up here, there's an American flag. And I kind of wanted you to understand what Memorial Day is about. Um, And I think the best way to understand Memorial Day is to think of the word memorial, and you may not know what that word is, but it's a lot like the word remember remember memorial remember and it is a day that we as Americans set aside to remember those men and women who have fought in wars who died now I want you to understand in the fall of the year on November 11th we we have Veterans Day and on Veterans Day we remember those who maybe went off to war and they came home but I want you to understand that in the United States uh, there are times that we have to fight wars and we have men and women that serve uh, in the armed services and many times they go overseas and they fight wars and um, those that and, and some of them die and on Memorial Day we remember those who went off to war and they died And it's a day that we set aside as Americans to say we don't ever want to forget the sacrifice they made. I want you all to understand that, uh, that that's very important to understand that there are people who have paid uh, the ultimate price so that we could be free as citizens of the United States. So that's what Memorial Day is about. But I also understand that there is another kingdom... That's not an earthly kingdom, it's a heavenly kingdom. And the Bible tells us, this is also very important, that Jesus is the one who died for us that we might be free spiritually. And in John 8, Jesus said in his own words, he said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And then later, in verse 36 in John 8, he said, If the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. So I want you guys to understand that, yes, there is an earthly kingdom in the United States, and there are some that have have gone to war and they have fought for our freedoms, and some have even died, and we remember those on Memorial Day. But also, as Christians, we understand there is a, a, a greater kingdom, the kingdom of God, and there was also someone who died for us, and it was Jesus. He died for us so that we might be free. And as we accept His gift of salvation by His death on the cross, our sins are taken away, and we are freed from uh, the bondage. What the Bible says of our sin and the penalty for our sin. And so, kind of, I wanted you to know what Memorial Day was about, and I also wanted you to understand that Jesus is the one ultimately that came. He died for us to set us free. All right? I bet your school teachers have said, I do not believe these are even my students that are sitting here so quietly, listening so attentively. It scares me sometimes. Anyhow, like y'all are plotting against me or something. Something's about to blow. I'm just teasing. I'm just thinking about what trouble I would have gotten in when I was at your age. But anyhow, thank you for being better behaved than the preacher was at your age. Amen? Amen. Thank you. You may go return to your seats. Amen and amen.
1: God in His infinite wisdom and power has composed the body of Christ, the church, and our church, so that every member of our church and of every church is significant and has a role to play. We as the church are like the components of a watch. We're working together to accomplish our purpose. Just as the gears and the components and parts in a watch, they all move together, move in unison to achieve one thing. In that same way, each generation in our church works together, side by side, in unison To achieve unity of purpose and of life. Each generation in our church has specific roles and gifts and talents in which they are responsible and get the privilege to serve and to give and to pour out within the body of Christ. Generation to generation.
0: is the responsibility of the church our church and our families that we pass down our faith to the generations that come behind us and so that's what we've talked about for I don't know five or six weeks now generation to generation that it is our responsibility as a church body church family and as individual families That we pass down our faith to the generations that come behind us. I believe we must be very intentional in that. This Sunday is the last Sunday. We're going to talk about generation to generation. Uh, I want to give you one final charge. And then the responsibility is yours to start in your own family with, as I've described, the little children... (laughs) whether they be children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren that are hanging around your ankles, to pass the faith down to them. But also for us as a church, that we have to be intentional in our intergenerational relationships that we mentor and we invest in those that come behind us. Hmm. About a month ago, uh, I had an incredible example of this very thing. Uh, about four weeks ago. I, I went to see. Brother Gene Childress. In the hospital. Uh, maybe not all of you know. Who Brother Gene Childress is. But he is Sheila Stoddard's dad. Okay. Uh, he lived next door to Sheila. And between Sheila. And the, the Thorntons. And uh, he. He. Committed church member at Calvary Baptist Church in Lufkin, and was a deacon there, and faithfully served. And he was about four weeks ago when I went to see him in the hospital. He was seriously ill, and I will tell you that the week after that, he passed away. Uh, so this was my last conversation I had with Gene Childress, and he and I are kind of friends and have been around each other through the years. And he calls me periodically, and we visit. And uh, there were a couple things that I picked up from my time, my last time with Brother Gene. Uh, I sat there for, I don't know, I was maybe there 15 or 20 minutes. And uh, on two occasions, as different nurses or a dietitian came in, uh, Brother Gene would say to them, As they began to discuss his medical condition with him, Brother Gene would begin to say, he said it twice while I was there, he said, I am 87 years of age, and I have lived a good life, and the greatest day of my life is when Jesus takes me home, and I will get to see him and my wife again. Now, the reason Brother Gene was telling that to the dietician is he was communicating to this 20-something-year-old young lady that he was not going to live, he was not going to eat the way she was suggesting that he eat on the special diet for heart patients. And I'm just sitting over there just smirking in my chair. And as she's kind of squirming and she just kind of kept... Now, Mr. Childress, I understand. But Mr. Childress... And finally, she said, Mr. Childress... If I can do anything for you, you let me know. <laughs> and she, she's done. I was just smirking. Another, but it was, it was beautiful to listen to Brother Gene just describe the hope that he had in Jesus with the nurses, the different people that came in. But in the midst of our conversation when everyone had left the room, I don't even know how it came up, but Brother Gene told me this story That it happened, it must have been a few weeks before that. And if you were at his funeral uh, three Sundays ago, his pastor shared this story. And I actually asked Sheila if I could share the story. And I called the pastor at Calvary Baptist Church, Scott Reed, and I asked, remind me of the story. This is the story that Brother Gene Childress told me. He said, uh, my pastor's son was turning 13. was going to have a birthday. and He said, I, I asked the pastor if it would be okay if I could visit with his son. And it just so happened on the Sunday that they got together, it was this young man's 13th birthday. And he said, I, I have some things that I want to tell him. And so they met that Sunday morning in the pastor's office the 13-year-old son, Gene Childress, and the pastor. And Gene Childress said, there's, there's some things I want to tell you that are most important about life. Now, what I didn't know in the story from what Gene told me, but the pastor told me, is that when Gene Childress was 13 years of age, there was a man, a Christian man, that set him down and said, I want you to understand what's most important about life and uh, I think for brother gene and maybe for the man that shared this with him it, it parallels what happens in the Jewish faith with a young man turning 13 and having a bar mitzvah and entering into manhood and the things that are shared with him and I think that was the kind of the parallel here And I'm just thinking, wow. What is it that he had to say to him? This is what Brother Gene said. He's been in Baptist church a lot. He said, there were three things that I told the young man. (laughs) It's a three-point sermon. I know your pastor doesn't really preach three-point sermons. I try to have a point. A point, if nothing else. First thing. He said, begin and end every day with prayer. He said, when you get up in the morning, thank God for Him seeing you through the night. Talk to Him. He said, it may be five minutes, it may be ten minutes. He said, but make it a priority in your life that every day when you first get up, you talk with God about your day. And just be aware of His presence in your life. And he said, not only that, but every night when you lay down, talk to God again. As you close your eyes and thank him for what he's seen you through and uh, about your day and just talk with him. Every day begin and end with prayer. Second thing, he said, learn God's word. I don't know that he necessarily said spend time in God's Word every day, but I think that's probably what he meant. He said, uh, as a young man, you're going to be tempted and there's going to be a lot of things that pull you this and that way. He said, you've got to be grounded in God's Word and so learn God's Word, meditate on God's Word, memorize God's Word, listen to God's Word. Uh, Be a young man that uh, knows God's Word and what it is that God has said in His inspired scripture. The third thing He said, this is Gene Childress. He said, this is what He said to the 13 year old young man. He said, respect your parents. Learn to respect your parents, that God has set them over you, and, um, and it will set you up. If you will learn to respect your parents for all your other relationships in life. I don't know how long the conversation was that Brother Gene had with the pastor's son. Uh, I know in talking to the pastor last night, it has made a marked difference in the young man's life. Uh, To me, that is a A perfect illustration of what I have been challenging you to in these last four or five weeks. What a beautiful way of uh, passing down our faith to the next generations. You know, Brother Gene passed away that next week. And I have a reason, because of God's timing and all of that, that pastor's son will never forget those words by an 87-year-old man that was doing what God led him to do in saying, here is what is most important in life. Uh, we've looked in these weeks at, at Paul and Timothy and the, that intergenerational relationship. And I want to just share with you just... I want to read two verses, and really it's just one verse, and really just part of that one verse that I want to share with you today in this final charge. And it's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Uh, I kind of want to set this up, and I want you to understand that on numerous occasions in First and 2 Timothy, as Paul is writing to Timothy... He's saying, there's some things that I have committed to you. And what he has has said is, I want you to keep those things. Guard those things. Remember what those things were that I passed down to you. But, listen very closely to what he says, particularly in verse 2. And it is the point, this is the point, that it is not enough to keep what has been passed down to you. You must pass it on. so he says in second timothy two, he says you therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in christ jesus and here it is verse two and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also in fact the word for me that traces throughout First and Second Timothy is that word "commit," and the three other times that it's used in in Paul's writings, Paul's saying, "I have committed something to you." And we talked about several weeks ago how it was it was the imagery of entrusting somebody with something, almost like somebody would entrust uh, an investor with 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 money to say, "I am I am investing this in you, I am committing this, I am trusting, entrusting this to you." but the chain is not just Paul saying I have, I have committed some things to you Timothy as a y- younger man in the faith and we talked about that if you want to impact the future you don't just you don't just affect your contemporaries your peers we have to affect the generations that come behind us because someday me and my contemporaries are going to be gone and all of I, if all that I have done is invested in my contemporaries and all of us are going to be gone someday. But if you want to impact the future, go at least one generation down. And what Paul says is, the things that I have entrusted you, you need to entrust with the generations, Timothy, that come behind you. It's not enough to keep what has been committed to you, to guard it, because you were just a steward of those things, they must be passed on. I'm struck by some of the phrasing in verse 2. And for sure, the second part of that says, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Invest in others who will invest in others Who will invest in others. But it's this phrase in the first part of verse 2 when he says, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. The things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. I don't know all that Paul meant by that. I know that Paul and Timothy uh, had spent about 20 years together and not all that time Timothy had been with Paul. but much of that time Paul had traveled uh, Timothy had traveled with Paul and had sat and listened to him teach in the churches as he shared the gospel and he established churches. Timothy sat as a young man and listened and listened and listened and I'm sure there was a lot of teaching that Timothy heard from Paul but there were some things that he heard over and over and over again. It's what I would describe today as the core of Paul's message. It's almost as if Paul is saying to me, the things you've heard me share among many witnesses over and over many times, the very core of this. Now, understand, there were some rabbit trails that Paul traced down, probably as he preached the gospel. There were some peripheral issues and things that were out there, but what Paul said... I want you to think about the things you heard me say over and over again because this is the core of the gospel. This is the essence of it. This is, this is Gene Childress saying if I had to tell you three things. This is these three things. The things you have heard me share in the midst of many witnesses over and over again. The very core of Paul's teachings. It's what today I would call timeless truce. Timeless truths. In fact, I would contend today that we're responsible and that in essence what happened is Paul told Timothy, here's the very core of it, and this is what I want you to pass down. Yes, there are are peripheral things, but it's the core of it that you can't lose. And so the core of the faith has been passed, you understand, for the last 2,000 years. It, It is what we contend for today and say, no, this is the essence of it. I know there's a lot of peripheral things and a lot of things we could talk about, but it's the core of the gospel. Do you understand it has been passed down from generation to generation for the last 2,000 years? And we sit here in this room today to be reminded of what is the core of the gospel, what has been shared over and over again. It is what I would today call timeless truths. They are the truths of the gospel that transcend generations and cultures. I believe one of the benefits to investing in someone of a generation that is below us is that we have to think through What are the timeless truths? Uh, Let me say this. It is possible some of our Christianity um, hmm, has been colored by the time in which we lived or the culture in which we lived. It is... uh, There can be a a cultural, generational expression of our faith. Uh, So if I'm talking to David Box, mm, he and I were raised the same way. If I'm talking to Sammy Weaver, yeah, we we get each other. We were kind of raised in the same Christian homes during the same same time period. And we can just look at each other and grunt and communicate theology. but if you take it down a generation i have to think about what are those things that are not an expression of my generational experience with christianity but what is the core of it all what was it that paul said to timothy no this is the essence that it transcends every generation every culture we get in the same thing in africa and I'll tell you, one of the things that just kind of rocks us when we get to Africa is you realize how much your Christianity is affected by the culture and the generation, and particularly in the nation in which you were raised. And you're going, "Oh my, I got to think about this now," because what you realize is when you are confronted with another culture, some of what, some of your expression in, of, of Christianity is colored by your culture and it's just not gonna work in Africa so you have to step back and you have to think what's the core of it what are the timeless truths I would say to you as God leads us to intergenerational uh, relationships one of the one of the positive benefits it helps us strip away the culture ge- cultural generational expressions of our faith to make us get down to really what is it about that communicates what god would say in the gospel that transcends all generations and all cultures it is where we started this sermon of series in Psalm 145 when the psalmist we started with that verse in verse 4 when he says one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts but then later in verse 13 of Psalm 145 the psalmist says your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion rules throughout All generations God is an eternal God. His gospel is for all generations, for all cultures, for all peoples, all language groups, everything for all time. There is an essence to the gospel that speaks across all generations and all cultures. And what we have to do is we have to get it down to that which must be passed on. Hmm. Some of you know that in the last year, uh, my parents have transitioned from Wichita Falls, where we were raised, to Little Rock, where my sister lives. And my mother is in a memory care unit, and she, we moved her up there first, and then my dad bought a little house, and then we moved him up there. Now, this has required some downsizing. Now, my parents had already downsized once. There was a house that we were raised at in Wichita Falls that after we'd gotten gone and everybody's moved from Wichita Falls, there's no reason to have that big old house and that big old yard. My dad didn't need to be mowing that anymore. They said, we need to downsize. And so what they did is they began to go through their stuff. You understand? And one of the things they did is they called us and they said, come and get your stuff out of the attic. If we are downsizing to a smaller house, we do not need to be storing your things. I do need to announce to the Smith children if there was anything left in my garage. Yesterday, it is now gone. It has been donated to the Africa garage sale, which will be next Saturday. You no longer have possessions at my house. The statutes of limitation have ended. Your stuff is gone. Anyhow, it was the same kind of thing that my parents said. You are grown. Come get your stuff. So they had already downsized once. But about a year ago, we celebrated my my dad's 85th birthday, and we had a party at his house, and it was kind of the last hurrah. and then this is what we did. I don't know if you've been there, but I have a brother and a sister and uh, we began to go through the house and sort through things. I don't know really know if we knew what we were doing. But my dad was going to be moving. My mother, we moved certain amount of furniture to my mother's room at her memory care unit. And then we knew my dad was going to be moving in a smaller house. And so, I guess in our brains, there were three categories. And you literally went room by room, closet by closet. And uh, there were three categories. thought about this later there was a category of my mom or my dad needs this where they're going to be living. Now, understand there were four sets of, four or five sets of dishes. China, I don't know all. I don't know. I don't know. Some of it must have been grandma's or somebody's. But the reality is my daddy only needs one set of dishes. Okay? There were things in the first category of things that we need to live with and on. You understand possessions. There was another category beyond that of we don't need this. And actually it was qualified with we don't even want this. So there was another category and uh, I don't even know. There were there were rounds of this through several months of children passing through the house and sorting some more and some of it we knew they would need. Some of it in the second category we knew they uh, would not need and nobody wanted it. Give it to Goodwill, have a garage sale. We didn't have a garage sale. We just, I think probably the grandkids passed through (laughs) and there was a pile in these last two categories, whatever you want, take. There was a third category. There 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 were things that my parents did not really need, but we didn't want to get rid of because of either their monetary or their sentimental value. Hence, the pink elephant cookie jar is now at my house. I looked this up on eBay, this is worth $80. You can buy one of these for $80 on eBay. Uh, it's from the 1950's. This is the cookie jar that I was raised on. I know some of y'all, some of y'all of the younger generation don't even understand because cookies come in packages and you just eat them out of the package and they gone that night. I don't know. I was raised in the leave it to beaver age. Mama was at home baking cookies when I came home from school every day. And that's not really that far from the truth. When Mama made the cookies and they had cooled, she put them in this cookie jar in the pink elephants. And uh, if we asked Mama, we could get a cookie or two. Or if Mama wasn't watching. But anyhow, that's, that's a whole other story. Now, this is not for you to play with after the service. This will be up here. This will be up here. Right here. You can look. Do not touch the pink elephant. <laughs> because it is one of those things that we do not really need. But it's something that will be passed on. One of you Smith children understand someday. <laughs> did, did y'all write down the three categories? <laughs> Oh, Byron's got two categories. (laughs) I won't even ask what those two categories are. If it ain't worth nothing, chunk it. No, anyhow. Um, There are some things, for sentimental reasons, mostly in our family, things we will never get rid of. I was sharing with Melody up on the stage during the welcome I said, she was asking, she's going, Brother Darrell, there's a pink elephant. it's a sermon illustration one of the other things and I got it out this morning I didn't bring it is my mama's biscuit cutter it's a metal biscuit cutter and it's got a wooden knob on it and I sat brother Rob and watched my mama make countless biscuits and when in the one of the last pass through at my daddy's house he well let's just be honest my daddy doesn't make homemade biscuits He said, I don't guess we need to keep that. Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 I want that. Because we're going to pass it down. Uh, In the Christian life, um, there are things that are valuable to us that we must pass down. And what occurred to me is that uh, when we, for the last 13 weeks, have talked about the 12 marks of a, a disciple in our life group cr- classes, and we finished up this Sunday with the final one, re- Reproducer, that in the 12 marks of the disciple, we have the core. Christian faith that must be passed down. What do we say? A genuine salvation experience. What is it that we're passing down? We're saying that Jesus is the only way. He died for you. He is the only way for us to be made right with God. Only through Jesus. We talk about baptism. What is it? That it is a public Commitment of faith in Jesus Christ that Jesus said if you're going to follow me you've got to make it public and we do that through baptism we talk about being a student of the word and just like brother Gene would say to the the young pastor's son that you've got to ground your life in God's word that we have to be a student of it and every day we have to allow God's word by reading it memorizing it meditating on it listening to it that our minds would be transformed with God's truth instead of the world's truth. We must be devoted to prayer. Not just daily, but moment by moment, an ongoing conversation with God in which we speak to Him about what's on our heart and we listen to Him to what's on His heart. We pass down to our our kids and those that come behind us a a commitment to community. That the Christian faith is designed to be lived within relationships. And our church family is a family of God that we develop relationships in. Yes, intergenerationally, but generationally, however, we develop relationships and that commitment is important. We pass down death to self. That I, at the very start of my journey with Jesus, must surrender my will to Jesus' will. We must demonstrate love. That it's about caring for others' needs through our actions and our words. Leads us on to a servant's heart that says my life is not about me but it's about the needs of others. Me serving others. Serving God by pouring in to others. We pass down that we must be a giver. One who is giving Of our time and talents and our money. For God's glory and for His kingdom. We must be a witness. through our words and our actions. Communicating to the gospels. The gospel to those that we encounter every day. That we must be resilient. That we must never give up. As we follow Jesus. And then this morning in our life group, the final one that really I end with, we must be a reproducer. We must pass on to others what has been passed down to us. What Paul told Timothy and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these things to faithful men who will also teach others. Tag. We're it. We have a responsibility as it has been poured into us, as the gospel and the essence of the gospel has been passed down to us, of transferring that to the generations that come behind us. God is an eternal God. The gospel and the truth of the gospel transcends all cultures and all generations. And the very essence of it, it is like a prized family heirloom that we care for and we store (laughs) and we don't let people play with. No, this is valuable to me, that we pass down to the next generation. Amen? Amen. If you would stand with me this morning and let me pray. And then the altar is open this morning. I'll be at the front. Byron will be at the front as you have decisions to make for Christ. Father, today we thank you for that eternal kingdom, that eternal gospel, that Father still has power today to change lives. Father, I praise you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, Father, I pray that we would understand what it is that's been passed down to us. Father, I pray as you lead and your Spirit empowers us that we would be faithful to pass it on. And, Father, we trust this all to you in Jesus' name.